Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. Today we have our third part with Robbie Watson. And we're going to talk about the specifics of the ministry of Kalakali and Equals H. Let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education Equals Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I'm Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the director of Education Equals Hope here in Ecuador and the co-founder. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equals H in Ecuador as well. Education Equals Hope is a micro scholarship program that exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations. The purpose of this podcast is to keep you, our dear listeners, supporters, friends in ministry, and partners all over the globe informed as to what is happening with Equal Sage in Ecuador. Woot, woot. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of it. We couldn't do it without you. And today we're going to round out our conversation with Robbie Watson, um, diving into, welcome back, Robbie. Thank you. Diving into uh, the specifics of the Educational Hope Program in the rural community of Kalakali. Mm-hmm. Which is just outside Quito. Tell us about tell tell us about that. Run through El Refugio. El Refugio is a. Um, I will try to refrain from reciting the thing on the gate as you drive in, word for word. But <laughs> essentially, it's a camping. It's a retreat center, retreat and training center that uses facilitates a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through nature and outdoor adventure. All right, Cameron. Uh-huh. Why did you ask me? You could have just said it. <laughs> I used to be on the El Refugio team. Yeah. So um, we host teams from the states. We host uh, groups from businesses, churches, schools from all over Ecuador. Um, and then we have a number of internship programs where North Americans and Ecuadorians or Latin Americans generally can come and learn, experience outdoors, do backpacking trips, learn a lot of new skills, mm-hmm. and then hopefully go back and do cool things from wherever they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, Community yeah. development, if you will. You know what? Yes. And since <laughs> I've been come on staff a, uh, a year and a half ago, I've been teaching community development classes. I and only have recently started doing that in Spanish. Super fun and <laughs> challenging for me. I hear you. Uh-huh. I did a class on, on <laughs> poverty on Monday night, and I can I can rock that in English, but I right. was not aware of uh, the lack of specific vocabulary that I needed. I'm, I'm reading a book on development in Spanish right now to try and oh. brush up on that vocab. Yeah. Good job, team. Uh-huh. Now you both understand what it is to be in this end. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. But you make it look easy. This is all your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a good actor. Because <laughs> I live in an innocence guild culture, so we must find the blame. <laughs> must put it squarely where it belongs. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. So back to El Refugio. It, it is situated about 45 minutes outside of Quito in near the little town of Calacali, which is like up on this ridge that is cloudy most of the time. Uh-huh. But when the sun's out, it is very strong because we're at, you know, 9,000 some feet right on the equator, mm-hmm. like literally on the it's equator. It's kind of like a little corner of the northwest of of the United States. Yeah. I feel like it's like just a little, a little bit of Washington or Oregon because (laughs) of how cloudy and rainy it can be. No. And that's very true as someone who grew up 
and spent most of their life in the Pacific Northwest. I can attest to that. That it's, uh, I feel like we have all Northwest seasons in a single day. Mm. It's like not terribly hot, it's not terribly cold, but just kind of like this mild, cloudy, misty raininess. Anyway, uh, enough about the weather in Kalakali. <laughs> um, I was brought on to the El Refugio staff to head up their community development side of things and uh, specifically coordinate and work alongside their partner ministries all around Ecuador. There are several of them. Um, so I get to travel around the country hanging out with incredible people, Ecuadorians, doing incredible things in their communities which is quite a privilege and quite fun and wonderful. And one of those awesome ministries Mm -hmm. is Educational's Hope. Yes. So for, yeah, I think it started maybe around two years ago at the start of the pandemic. I was not there here in Ecuador at the time. Um, But, yes, we have a partnership with the Educational Hope Program Mm -hmm. in Calicali. Can you tell us what that looks like? Because it's a, every, as everyone knows, every church, every ministry site, you guys own a church, you're mm-hmm. just a ministry, gets to design the program how they want to and to bring people onto a board that mm-hmm. they think are the movers and the shakers, the community developers, the animators, the facilitators, as you said, yeah. um, and to design it to fit their exact situation. Mm-hmm. So how does that, what does that look like? In- yeah. I mean, we have a board of, I want to say eight people. Um Everyone's local. Uh, one is a member of a local church. One is a uh, representative of the families. Mm-hmm. Um, she's originally from Venezuela, has been in Calicali for the last several years. Uh, and then five members of staff at El Refugio mm-hmm. are on this board as well. Awesome. Uh, and there are 12 families in the program right now, mm-hmm. in not just in Calicali, but down the road in, in another little town called Raicucho. Mm-hmm. And what, what is the ministry looking like mm-hmm. for these people? Um, what are the activities? What are the, the also the backgrounds of their, these families? And mm-hmm. how are you guys as a team deciding to do ministry with them? Yeah. Um, I can't answer all of those things as I was not at the start, so I wasn't mm-hmm. in on a lot of those decisions. But um, the dynamics of the families, I mean, there's a, there's a range of, of people and a range of needs. Um, we have a few families from Venezuela mm-hmm. um, that are in difficult situations and, you know, not really being... See the Venezuela refugee crisis. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and you know, like the conversation we had with one of them a few months ago about, like, we have to pay this to get this thing and I can't get a visa because of this reason. And, you know, it's just like a pile of issues. So, yeah some money for education is a great thing in their situation. Um, or there's other families that work on some of the larger fincas, some of the larger farms, haciendas, um, as workers, but they're still in very poor situations, even mm-hmm. though they're working all day as an entire family and they only get one paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they just live in a very small rural community and it's hard to grow enough to eat and sell. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so there's a lot of different situations among the families. Um, and you were talking about that you had done house visits recently. Yeah. So we as a board decided that we want to not just be a part of the program in order to hand out money and help people, you know, on a month to month basis with educational fees and supplies. 
Um, but we wanted to use this opportunity to build some serious relationships and get to know our community better and see what, what doors might open up through those processes. So we do do home visits to each of the 12 families. Um, and we try to do that every month and whether that happens every month is debatable, not only on, (laughs) not only in our part and our busy schedules, but because the families also have busy schedules. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's really hit and miss, but, um, I was able to visit a handful of families this week, in fact. Um, and it was great to see, um, some of the changes that happened. I was talking about, for example, uh, one of the Venezuelan families, um, the husband, was very bitter about a lot of stuff. And, and when we were having this conversation months ago, um, he didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. There's no job for him. And he thought he had a job here, but it didn't work out. And so, you know, he's sitting at home doing nothing and, he, you know, he can't get work. And so, yeah, education, like some help for education is great in that situation. Um, but more, he doesn't feel useful. He can't provide for his family. A lot of, a lot of issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he got a job. And the difference in meeting with them months ago and meeting with him now was marked. Like, mm-hmm. he was smiley, he was happy and joking. And, he, you know, he threw out some jokes here and there, but they were, like, earlier, but they were kind of these bitter side comments more than, like, <laughs> actual jokes. But he just seemed, like, so cheery after right after a day of work. Like, he w- literally walked across from the work site building this house into his house to meet with us and, mm. you know, got changed and, and then sat on the couch and chatted. And it was, it was a very interesting change to see um, that, that difference of, like, not having a job, not feeling present mm. with his family and, and all the issues there, and then having some way to provide and supply and some extra cash mm-hmm. each month. Um, so that was very encouraging to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another family... That, um, yeah, it, it's, they have a rough family situation and the parents, um, perhaps like to drink a little too much. Um, and so there've been some issues beyond just educational needs that this family needs and they're a hard family to get in contact with. So when they say, Hey, yeah, we'll be around, come visit us. It's kind of a win and an exciting thing mm-hmm. to be like, okay, we, you know, we finally have contact again with this family. Um, and so we were, we were there yeah, a few days ago, me and my compañera Angelica, and we, the, the the mom was of the family was talking to us about uh, all the little businesses she's trying to start, and hmm. you know with a smile on her face, and and how like, oh yeah, I've used some money over here to buy some fish, and then I brought it back to Calakali and sold it at a profit, and so I'm going to do that every week now, or like. Um, you know, I'm like she she bought a bunch of chickens and she wants to start selling those and selling eggs and and just like the the little dreams that she's starting to have. Um, Do you think it's fair to say that that y'all you're I mean clearly God is at work, but using the tool of being able to be in their lives. We often talk about how educational hope is mm-hmm. a is an excuse for pastoral care. Yeah. Because it gives the entree into mm-hmm. a family or a child's life or a situation for a felt need, right? Because this kid isn't going to go to school um, unless um, unless there's this. But it gives the ex- it gives the entree for for pastoral care. Yeah. Do you feel like that's accurate? Yeah, and and I I think that that's absolutely what we're trying to do. Maybe not 
let's, I want to say heavy handed in the sense of like, here's your pastoral care for the month. Um, But, but in the the sense of coming alongside and and really trying to connect with the families um, and and starting to build those relationships and and praying about where those can go. Um, The, the cool opportunity that we have being right there in Kalakali El Refugio is, is being able to use El Refugio. So when we have the families come for meetings, we're able to do, um, um, different kinds of programs, different kinds of uh, events. We've had the families come together um, for like a family day where the mm-hmm. parents sat in workshops and we even did some of the low ropes elements, team yep. building experience of our challenge course at El Refugio. While the kids, there were like child cares and games and crafts and stuff. Um, so really trying to connect not only to the families themselves mm-hmm. on our part, but also trying to connect the families to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's been great to, to see how we can use the physical space and the activities we have and the staff we have at El Refugio to, to serve those families in a different way. Something important, too, about what we um, do is that, as Cameron was saying, this is a great excuse for us to enter into their lives in an pastoral care way, too. Um, but something that I... I start to think, dream, and even wrestle in my mind about mm-hmm. was when we enter into the pandemic, yeah. the opportunity or the activities that we had uh, before were absolutely closed, mm-hmm. right? And were a big no-no. In that moment, I was thinking about what else can we do? And I realized mm-hmm. about how important it was the training and the educational part of our program, mm-hmm. the informal education. And you guys in Calakali have been a huge part of that. You know, you started it and you decided we want to be part of their lives and not just through giving them the money mm-hmm. or, or talking to them. We also want to be able to impart, you know, like to share some knowledge with them mm-hmm. that we all need. And the community said, like, we need to talk about these topics. You were talking about some cases of, like, alcohol- alcoholism. Good job. See, he has the vocabulary. <laughs> that. <laughs> alcohol problems. And, like, they started to do some things like that. Mm-hmm. And some trainings, conferences, workshops. How has, the, how has that been and how important is that in your community development kind of experience? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been great for us to to be able to serve in new ways, to think about new ways to, um, I guess, involve ourselves in other people's lives, but hopefully in a positive and not um, paternalistic or overbearing kind of way. Um, that would completely uh, negate your entire degree. R- right, so. right. <laughs> Where's the positionality there, Robbie? Um, but it, yeah, I think it has been hit and miss. And one of the cultural elements I've been learning about is um, people coming to like workshops or discussion groups only if there's something that they can get out of them. And, mm-hmm. and my colleague was trying to explain this to me the other day um, when I was thinking like, let's have discussions about this stuff. And she's like, no one's going to come to that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But um, we have tried to use the, the meetings that we hold um, when we, give out the the micro scholarships each month as an opportunity to to have some kind of workshop or some kind of training and we've we've listened to um the kinds of concerns that the community members have about how in in shaping those things so we've had some people come and do workshops on personal finance and savings mm-hmm. and things like that as as things that can be uh, 
immediately applicable in people's lives and, and have been identified as needs. I just want a small parenthesis there that you would think that if you live in a situation with a lot of poverty of resource, a poverty mm-hmm. of condition, that there's not a lot of, there's not a whole lot of money floating around that you would, it would, for me, it, it took a long time to figure out that saving money is not an easy, it's not a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I know that if, if things are rough financially, I should do everything I can to squirrel something away mm-hmm. because that will be helpful eventually. But I never realized that 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 concept is not taught mm-hmm. and it is brand new information because the concept when you live in a situation of poverty and, and by that, I mean the condition of poverty, poverty of a condition, mm-hmm. um, you have it today, you might not have it tomorrow, so you might as well spend it and use it and enjoy it because, well, you can't, you have no control over tomorrow. Would you say this is true? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how, how else to explain that, but but it is something. Is like that sense is always very hidden into the people's thoughts mm-hmm. and minds. You know, it's this kind of thing that is way more cultural and is so rooted. Mm-hmm. That you even don't even know that you have it, or don't even know where it started. Yeah. Or you get like a like you're in debt, and we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. We're talking like you're fifty dollars in debt mm-hmm. with this person, or you're forty two dollars in debt with that person, and you, someone you get a windfall. Someone send like someone sends money. Everyone has family outside of Ecuador, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. someone sends money from outside, and instead of being like, oh, with this. $50, I can completely wipe out this debt and I can still go out to eat with $8. This right. is amazing. No, they'll spend that entire $50 on something else. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just a, yeah. it's a side, sidebar cultural insight. Yeah. <laughs> At some point it's even like a ridiculous sense of surviving. Mm. You know, if you see it in the bigger picture with different eyes, with a right perspective, you will survive through covering that debt. Mm-hmm. But in, like, the immediate desperate moment, you survive by feeling better in order to cover that debt. Mm-hmm. So that's why sometimes... You spend the whole $50 so you feel better, and uh-huh. then you have the energy to, to figure to, out what to do with that debt. Right. Yeah. Right. But again, like, that's where community development as an educational process is not just, like, an education is in a school, but right. it is, like, learning about a culture for us to understand that as outsiders, but then to, like help other people think differently about the resources that they do have available to them. What would it be like? And mm-hmm. what, an, what an amazing tool and resource we have in relationship mm-hmm. so that we can not just like force them or tell them what to do. We can walk with them through that, Absolutely. you know, and learn. Because um, from this side of the perspective, sometimes when you are the community developer mm-hmm. or facilitator of that, you feel that you know everything, mm-hmm. but you learn through the process. That's something that I have learned. It's not that I'm teaching them. I'm learning with them because mm-hmm. I know nothing and I'm starting to learn from their situations. Absolutely. And I'm also applying those things to my own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a great line from, I teach this book, which is why I'm able to like, you know, throw out quotes, but from When Helping Hurts. Um, where How to alleviate poverty without hurting the poor. Bing, bing. Um, <laughs> but they're talking about how we are all broken people mm-hmm. with broken relationships all around us. And so it's not, community development isn't, how do we enter a situation and fix someone else, but it's how we walk alongside the poor, hope, praying, and working together so that God can fix us mm-hmm. as broken people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wanted to circle back around. I wanted to share one of my favorite quotes from that pastoral care yeah. part. Um, and the reason and the reason that you guys are part of Equals H and that you reach out to these families and, and the other community development um, opportunities that you have around the country is obviously our faith in in Christ. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that does make all the difference. And and recognizing that everyone is equal in this scenario, that we all have broken relationships, mm-hmm. um, and that God is is the very source and and from foundation of that. I just rem- something you said reminded me of this quote, and it took me a second to find it. But um, I love that you guys are being an example of what the church can be. And by that, I mean a definition of that is a world where people skeptical of what we believe are envious of how well we treat each other and amazed at how well we treat them. Mm-hmm. And and sitting with that family who may or may not have alcoholics in it, that they may or may not believe the same things about the importance of relationship right. with God, but that they're amazed at how how willing you are to come alongside them and listen to her her plans and mm-hmm. support her and give her ideas and support her children in education so that she can um, realize those those dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I come back to Jesus as our example, where he reached out to the outcasts of society and and brought this humanizing aspect to whatever interaction he was in and and us in a similar way need to be people who humanize others who see the image of god and others mm-hmm. whatever the situation is yeah. well it's really fun to um to get to have these conversations mm-hmm. about community development how to do it well incredibly privileged to come alongside you robbie and el refugio and that team there and what you guys are doing and how you're doing it that we get to um, to put our grano de arena. How do you say that in English? We we get to put our grain of sand. We get to put our little grain of of sand with you in the work that you're <laughs> yes. doing. Um, thank you. We hope to have mm-hmm. you uh, come back and and future further episodes. Great. Uh, as you learn more community development nuggets, and as you continue to learn, as yes. we're all learning. Absolutely. Um, we'd love to have you back. Thank you so much for being with us uh, today. Uh, we cannot do micro scholarships without you. We cannot engage in this sort of community development without you. If you'd like to be a part of this, we invite you to be a part of Education Equals Hope. Go to www.educationwillshope.org and find the Donate Now button. And feel free to designate it for Ecuador and Kalakali. <laughs> Thank you for your love and support. See you next time. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for listening to our Hopecast. If you want to join the mission or know more about it, please visit our webpage, www.educationequalshope.org, or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.